Absolutely. Yes. So there is always a risk of our kids going behind our backs, circumventing controls, things like that. So it's really important for you to pair with conversations and trust that come with that. And I think sometimes parents say, well, they're just going to figure out a way around it anyway. I'm not going to do X, Y, Z. And, and I can see the way people think about that. But in the end, at least your kids know what your values are, what your priorities are, that you're trying, that it's important to you. Instead of saying, I don't know, hands up. I, I can't figure this out. You just do whatever you want, you know? Hi, friend. Welcome back to Life Coach BFF Show. I'm your host, Heather Petty, and you have been listening to Brooke Romney. She's a best-selling author of 52 Modern Manners for Today's Teens Books, and she leads a dynamic online community. Friends, she is a powerhouse full of wisdom and positivity. You are in for such a treat. Let's get ready to dive right in. Here we go. Life Coach BFF Show with me, your friend Heather, because we all need a BFF to take this journey called Life With. This is a podcast for midlife women who want to remain sane and find joy while parenting teens. We're living with purpose and determination to get all the goody out of life because I believe God made the goody for His people, you and me. So hop aboard this train of intention, come and sit on my porch and rest or pop in your earbuds and let's take a walk together. I'm just so grateful you're here. Hi, Brooke. It's so good to have you. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be with you. You talk about so many things that I'm interested in that relate to my own personal life. And so I've been especially excited to sit down with you. Tell me, you are a writer, a speaker. What experiences have you had in your own parenting journey that made you want to start writing and encouraging other moms and parents? Well, when I had my oldest become a teenager, I was really looking for a community and I was floundering. We were going through some hard things. And by, by the way it looked, everyone else seemed to be doing just fine. All the other families looked like they were having a good time and teenagers were no big deal. Um, I started scouring online. I had been used to communities, you know, for toddlers and young kids and these great ideas for family traditions. And then I got to this place in my motherhood journey and I was like, where are all the people talking about teenagers? <laughs> and yes. I just felt so alone in what I was going through and, and just really lost. Like, how do I get someone ready for middle school? I, I didn't know all these changes were going to happen. Tell me more about hormones. What's going on here? You know? And um, as I went through with my first teenager, and this was also the wild west of cell phones. So I was trying to figure out like, do you give your kid a cell phone? Do you not? You know, this kid has a cell phone. That family says you shouldn't. And there were just so many big decisions to make. And so as we went through that first teenager um, and I felt pretty lonely, I realized that I didn't want other moms to go through the teenagers alone. And so I started sharing some of my experiences, things I'd done wrong, things I'd done right, and started creating an online community that's been a huge blessing to me and the other people that are a part of it. 
That is wonderful because I have been there. I know exactly what you're talking about because people discuss in play groups, my child's not sleeping. My child is wetting the bed. But when you get to age 12 and 13 and they get a little prickly, <laughs> that, like yeah. I call it the salty years, people don't want to talk about that. They turn to the Pinterest face is what I like to call it. That's so true. And, and you kind of want to protect your kids because they're old enough to get mad if you're sharing details about their life or, you know, old enough to hear about it. So you're trying to be sensitive to that, but you also as a mom really need support and help. And so it's a very interesting space and I'm grateful to be able to fill the gaps for some people who are in that. So they don't have to feel like I did. Yes. Cause it can be a lonely place to be as a parent. You have written, this is another thing that gets me so excited about you, Brooke, because to me, manners are so important. And of course, my kids are like, ah, oh, she's so old fashioned. Nobody cares about this anymore because I'm all about, you know, a text, a thank you text is not the same thing as a written thank you note. You, Brooke, have written these fabulous books on manners and etiquette, which I'm so happy. I need a drum roll for this. Please tell me, tell us all about your books and the one that you have coming out. I would love to. So one of the other things that I noticed as I had teenagers of my own and then teens in and out of my house, and I was, you know, at the middle school a lot, all those things. What I noticed is that a lot of our middle schoolers and teenagers in general were missing a lot of those common sense courtesies that a lot of us just grew up knowing. And what I realized is because of cell phones, their eyes were down and headphones were in and they were not observing the world like we did. Mm -hmm. And I love etiquette and manners, but these are even a little different because they're modern manners. So these are more about ways to be aware, ways to relate to the people in your life, ways to choose kindness instead of apathy. Um, and I really wanted these teens to have a way to understand these because what I noticed is that there is a positive feedback loop that happens when kids treat others well, when kids are aware, when kids um, just understand some of those social nuances and social norms and the kids who were getting it um, were having a lot of positive experiences and the kids who weren't were having a lot of negative experiences yes. and it wasn't necessarily even their own fault. They just didn't get it. And um, as I started thinking about it, I thought there has to be a really simple way to kind of level the playing field. So those who weren't born just being incredibly wonderful socially or didn't have parents who were consistently teaching, they could have a shot at being able to be in that positive feedback loop and develop character traits that made them feel good about themselves, even when everything wasn't going well in their lives. So um, I was really careful about the way I created it so that it could be digested by teenagers and easily, like super easily taught by parents. So it wasn't just one more thing parents felt like they had to do. Yes. I want to talk about the design of your books. Do you mind holding a book up oh, for yeah, I would those who are watching on video? Yes. yes. So this is the Modern Manners. It has its own little stand. So it just stands um, like a lot of people put it on their breakfast table or some people put it in the bathroom where people can see. And then um, on the front is a manner. So the first one is introduce yourself which maybe as an adult, you think, well, that's common sense. But so many kids and teenagers sit alone, not knowing anyone for, you know, years in high school, because they're too scared to introduce themselves. So it tells them kind of how to do this manner. And then on the back, it tells them why. So if you want to go a little deeper, it tells them why. 
Um, there's 52. So we like to keep it out for the entire week. It's a visual reminder. And then also, if you have a prickly or a spicy teen who doesn't love to learn from you, they can take it in on their own terms. So they don't have to feel like mom and dad are telling them something again and again. Um, and I also love that it takes the contention out of teaching these things as a parent. It's a third party. You're not doing it when you see your child not doing something right. You're kind of getting ahead of the curve, showing them some cheat codes about how to live a good life. And it's just been really successful. It's gone really well in the way it, people have responded to it in their homes. Oh, I love it. And what I'm going to do, Brooke, is I'm going to place it on my counter for my 12 and 14 year old, and I'm not going to say a word about it. And then yeah. halfway during the week, I'll flip it around because they read. I put things on the, the refrigerator. They read these messages. And that sometimes that's the best way to deliver. Yeah, because some teens love learning on their own and feeling like they own it. And that's why it was, you know, I've got all different kinds of kids and it was really important to me that it would work for all personalities. Those who are really interested in connecting over something and those who want to feel independent and like they're doing it on their own. Yes. And if the message has not been received, then we'll discuss it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it, it's it been really fun and useful. Yes. Yes. Well, you also talk a lot about social media, Brooke, and that's a big deal for me right now because I, like you, I was not faced with this with my older children, but it's a huge deal now to have a teenager at home and navigating social media. What are some common concerns or fears that busy moms have when it comes to their teenagers using social media platforms? You know, I think they fall into three categories, the common fears. I would say the first one is online predators, people that are taking advantage of your children, pretending to be someone they're not. Um, the second one is doing or seeing things online that they are not mature enough or ready to cope with. So pornography, eating disorders, violence, things like that. And then the third is just the idea of wasting hours when you should be doing something different um, and, and the lack of connection and productivity and purpose that comes with that. So those are kind of the three areas I think are most concerning to busy moms. Yes, I agree. And they're exposed at such a young age now. What do you suggest, in your opinion, is a good age? If, if you have a 12-year-old who's asking repeatedly to be on Instagram or Snapchat. I know Snapchat is a big deal to these kids. And if they don't have it, sometimes they miss out on things that other kids are doing. That's how they communicate. They That's how they gather, right. I've learned. So what do you think is a good age to join social media? You know, I just think it depends so much on the teen and so much on the relationship that you have in your home, how open your child is. One thing that I like to remind parents of and myself of, because I have to remind myself, is they might miss out on some things um, if you decide to delay a little bit until you feel like they're mature enough and ready, but they'll also gain a lot in the process. So we can't always focus on what they're missing out on or that the fact that maybe they're not included in everything, but sometimes they're not included in things that you didn't want them to be included in. And that's something we have to remember. Um, I've got, my youngest is 11. And his older brothers didn't get uh, social media until they were much older and they didn't get a smartphone until they were much older. And he said, guys, be on my team. Tell mom I should get a smartphone. And both of them <laughs> said, I would never do that to you. I've already been through it. 
and getting a smartphone that early is not something that you want to be a part of. So I thought that was interesting from a 16 and an 18 year old to tell their little brother that, you know, that's the advice they'd give. Um, And so I think a lot goes into it. But one of the pieces of advice that I have in general is that you can take it slowly. You don't have to do what every parent does. Um, I love the idea of trial and error. So um, there are phones that aren't, we call them dumb phones, right? And so there's only ways to communicate, but there's no internet or social media. So they can start with a phone like that. It looks like a cell phone. You can have group text, see how they do. You know, are they responsible? Do they keep track of it? Are they saying kind things in group texts? Are they replying back to you when you text them? All those things. Um, and then and then going slowly with social media. So if your daughter wants an Instagram account, letting her open one up on your phone or on a family iPad. And she gets a specific amount of time and she does it in an area where everyone's present, making sure you've had all those conversations leading up to it. But going slow, I think sometimes as parents, our hearts hurt so much when our kids aren't included and aren't a part of things. Um, and realizing that there's worse things than not being included in everything and and growing up too fast and be ex- being exposed to things you didn't want to be exposed to and you're not ready for, that is a little worse than maybe like not getting invited to the birthday party. So you've mentioned, Brooke, about maybe joining social media apps on your mom's phone or Mm -hmm. your dad's phone, and then they can oversee. But what I have learned having teenagers is, and I'm not saying that mine did, of course, my children are perfect, Brooke. (laughs) (laughs) They would never do anything like this. But I have noticed that they will join under an alias. Absolutely. So there is always a risk of our kids going behind our backs, circumventing controls, things like that. So it's really important for you to pair with conversations and trust that come with that. And I think sometimes parents say, well, they're just going to figure out a way around it anyway. I'm not going to do X, Y, Z. And, and I can see the way people think about that. But in the end, at least your kids know what your values are, what your priorities are, that you're trying, that it's important to you. Instead of saying, I don't know, hands up, I I can't figure this out. You just do whatever you want, you know? And so I think there's a balance of that. But I really want to talk about, you know, the conversations that we need to have with our kids so that when they join, even if it's on their mom's phone and a burner phone or whatever they decide to do, that they do have some background and some abilities to do social media right. Yes. Absolutely. So what are your suggestions as far as doing social media right? Like, what do you tell your own children? You have four boys, Brooke. I cannot get over this. Four boys. So what are their ages? So uh, 2018, 16 and 11. So really close to your ages. Yes. Yes. So you have, you've experienced all of this. So what do you tell them? Okay. Let's say today's the day it's your 14th birthday and I know people I know parents who give their kids snapchat for Christmas I've heard of that have you heard of that yes I have definitely heard of that yes or this is your birthday it's cheap I know I'm thinking maybe I should do that Or one of mine, but yeah, I have have heard of them saying, you know, it's Christmas or it's your birthday, you get Snapchat. Now, how, what, what do you say to your own child? Now you have Snapchat. These are my expectations for you on how to use this. 
So there's a couple broad conversations that I like to have, and this is even before they get social media. The first one is that the internet doesn't care about you. It doesn't care. It does not have your best interest at heart. It wants to make money from you. It wants your eyeballs for as long as possible because that's how it makes money. The internet is smarter than you. It has an algorithm that can play to your weaknesses and keep you online as long as possible. And so I like to remind my kids that I truly care about them. Their parents truly care about them. The internet does not care about them. And so just helping them understand, you know, from the very beginning that it's me and my child against anything that's going to keep them from their potential. And sometimes that is a smartphone, a gaming device, whatever that is. So, so that's the first thing that I like them to know. And that is so good, Brooke. That is so good. I love everything that you just said. It's us against them. And they understand that, especially when you have boys who are girls who play sports, they get that. Yeah. Yes. We're, we're a team together and that's Mm -hmm. so important. Um, The second thing that's really important is for them to learn how to train the algorithm. They need to know, you know, I love the documentaries like Childhood 2.0. There's there's another social one. I wish I could remember it. It's about social media. Showing them what these apps are doing to get them to stay, right? They prey on your weaknesses. They show you something darker, heavier, you know, going down that rabbit hole. Anything that you spend a little bit of time on, the app will show you more. They think you like it. Now, one of the things I like to let them know is sometimes that plays in our favor. If you're looking at things you really love, like if you love lacrosse, the app is going to feed you more lacrosse videos and that's fun. But also as humans, we will, our eyes will stay on things that are shocking too. So you see someone naked, that's just surprising. You're going to stay there. Even if you're not interested in looking at naked bodies, you're going to stay there for a minute. Well, the app's going to register that and say, oh, you want to see more naked people. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe you see someone like showing you how to eat less to cut your calories. Well, it's kind of interesting or a before and after that kind of keeps our eyeballs on it for a minute. But the app is going to think, oh yeah, this person wants to learn about losing weight and they could take you down a really um, difficult rabbit hole where suddenly you're seeing a lot of eating disorder material and things like that. So I really like to help them understand you need to train the algorithm as soon as possible and as often as possible. So if you love it, and it's good for you, stay on it. If you don't, even if it's shocking, and even if it's slightly interesting, do your best to scroll through or say not interested. So I think like those three things can be really helpful for our kids to feel a little bit more in control. Like they're not just at the mercy of, you know, of Instagram or TikTok or whatever they're watching. Um, Then from there, I like to talk about them being able to reach their potential and a screen not taking that potential from them. So we talk about what helps us feel good, Um, exercising, connecting with people, uh, staying on top of our schoolwork, being outside, um, getting enough rest. And as we go through some of those things, then we say, how can we make sure that a phone or an app doesn't get in the way of that? If this Mm -hmm. app is making us connect less or is making us feel badly about ourselves, then it's time to pull back. So being able to have that ongoing conversation with them, um, I love being the bad guy if I have to. And if they say, hey, I'm getting out of control on TikTok. Can you take it away from me and tell everyone I'm grounded from TikTok? Absolutely. You know, or there's so much drama going on on Snap. I don't want to be there anymore. Or I want to, 
you know, take my list down to just the people I really communicate with. Can we do that? Absolutely. You know, I'm always happy to take the fall. Um, so just those ongoing conversations and consistently reminding them that you are for them. You know, you want them to live mm-hmm. a happy, healthy life and you want to help them put things to the side that are going to get in the way of that. Yeah. Cause a cell phone can easily rob you of so many valuable things in life. I mean, I've, I've felt it myself. I don't know about you, but I have noticed before I even moved my app way at the end yeah, <laughs> so that it would be harder to get to. Well, and that's a beautiful conversation to have with your child, mm-hmm. right? So I really try to do that. Anytime I've noticed, like I was following an account that used to feel good to me and then it stopped feeling good to me. And I said, I've got to, I've got to unfollow this, you know, um, mm-hmm. reminding them that, you know, that account was so fun for me, but it makes me want to buy things every day and I don't want to spend that much money. So I'm going to mute that account. Or the other night I didn't plug my phone in, um, as early as I wanted to. And I was up scrolling until 1230 at night. Like, what am I thinking? And reminding them, you know, I'm almost 44 years old and I have a hard time controlling myself. That's why as a parent, I'm going to help you. I'm going to make sure your phone's not plugged in next to your bed. You know, I'm going to put some screen time things on your phone, not because I don't trust you. Or I think you're a horrible person. I don't trust the internet. I don't trust our ability mm-hmm. to have perfect discipline because I don't even have it. And I'm educated and I care about this and I want good things for my life. And I will still scroll for two hours on accident if I don't check myself. Right, right. Same. So how do you model for your kids? Because I know a lot of times, you know, we get off by ourselves, it's bedtime, we start scrolling. So they're not there with us at that point. But when you are with your children, how are you modeling good behavior with your own phone and social media? Yeah, this is a little bit of a condemning question for me right now, because a couple (laughs) of days ago, I just thought I need to do better than I'm doing right now. And I think we can all get in that trap. And summer's hard if you're a mom that works because work is on your phone. And so I often will try to tell my kids that I am work, you know, hey, hold on, I'm just going to finish this email or I'm scheduling carpools right now. I'll, but but I think I'm trying to figure out what might be best. And I think maybe putting my phone away during family time at night is probably a great way for me to be a better modeler for my kids. Um, I try to take some time off my phone on Sundays. So I try to put it away for as often as possible besides necessary things on Sundays. Um, but just, I think those ongoing conversations and I probably need to have that one with my kids saying, I noticed that summer left me like, I think it's cause I was fitting in work hours as just in the cracks of everything. And so I just was with my phone a lot. And when, when I'm doing that, it would often lead to work plus scrolling plus checking, you know, all that. And so just letting them in on my life and what I'm doing to be more disciplined and the choices I'm making. And then also the good times when you're like, hey, I'm doing so great right now. I've noticed a real difference because I'm choosing connection over my phone or I've decided to plug my phone into the kitchen so that I have less blue light before bed or, you know, whatever that is, letting them into your world so they can see what a healthy relationship with a phone does look like. Yeah, that is so good. And I have found that I have to, I mean, this is ridiculous, but when we sit down for game nights now, I have to take my phone and plug it in the other room because it's tempting for me to reach down and tap it just to see if I have a message from a friend or whoever. So I will say, 
I'm going to put the phone up. <laughs> Let's all put our phones up so we can concentrate and be present. So I think that's something that we as parents have to have to do and be intentional. Okay, so your we had a situation, Brooke, in February in my home state of Mississippi. It was in Starkville, Mississippi, and there was a young man who was involved in a sextortion situation, and he ended his beautiful life. And I don't know if you have are familiar with a lot of these situations, but that was so scary to me because I saw through that that this could happen to anyone literally anyone, especially, I mean, I hate to say that males probably would be more inclined, but I feel like that they would in a situation like this. And so I had a conversation with my boys who were 11 and 13 at the time. It was not an, if this ever happens to you, I made it more of a, when this happens, if the, you know, cause it could happen to anyone. So this is how we're going to handle this. What are your thoughts on how to handle a situation with, have you discussed it with your sons and what, what have you told them? I remember hearing about this story and it absolutely broke my heart. And um, there are actually a couple manners in the books that I wrote specifically for this idea. One of them was nothing online is private, Mm -hmm. helping our kids understand that whatever you put on there, even if someone says they're not going to show anyone, even if it's over snap and it disappears, there's screenshots and nothing online is private. Um, and that can be really helpful. I think that's a conversation you need to have before any type of online life is started. And then the other one is that people aren't who they say they are. And we have to second guess and question every single person we meet online. And obviously, you know, we say obviously, but we don't give our personal information to people. We don't engage with people we don't know. We have to assume, like I said, that the internet does not have our best interest at heart. But But above that um, is that open conversation, letting our kids know that we are on their side. So if something horrible or horrendous happens, that they come to us first, there is nothing they can share with us that we won't want to help. It doesn't mean we can fix everything for them or even that we will, but that they can always come to us and we can walk through it with them. I never, ever want my teens, especially in the world that we live in to feel like they have to go at it all by themselves, especially online. It's a world that was not made for 13 year olds and 14 year olds Mm -hmm. and 15 year olds. This is an adult world that for some reason kids have a lot of access to. And so um, one of the things that Chris McKenna says with protect young eyes is he constantly tells kids, it's not your fault. Whatever happened, it's not your fault. You are a child. These are adults. It is never your fault. And we can help you solve the problem. And I really love that he reminds kids and he reminds parents that it is not your child's fault. Whatever happened, it was a a lapse of judgment, but they are exposed to a world that their brains are not ready for yet. And we need to do all we can as parents to protect them, help them into it slowly, guide them while they're there, and then be there to help them if they need rescuing from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I always tell mine, I love you no matter what. No matter what happens, no matter what you do, no matter what the circumstances, the situation, I will always love you and we can get through anything together. Yes, I love that. And uh, 
I am never as scary as what they're going through, you know, like right, those people right. are much scarier than I will ever be, you know, and, and, you know, kind of the theme of this conversation is I have your best interests at heart. You know, I am for you. We will figure this out. Those people are not. And, and we need right. to work together. Absolutely. Okay. Before we go, I just wanted to ask you, what, what do you feel like the biggest impact on mental health and overall well-being that social media is playing on our kids? I think that starting with COVID especially, but maybe even before that, um, is just the lack of connection. Mm -hmm. What I'm seeing is that our teens want to connect desperately but just aren't quite sure how anymore. They've gotten so comfortable in a a virtual world um, or even being able to do nothing with no one and not be bored. We used to have to find Mm -hmm. a friend because there was nothing to do at home and there was nothing but on television, you know, there was, so we were forced to find friends. And I think that right now that lack of connection is what is really hurting our teens most. Um, even the people that are on social media, but have a very connected in-person life, it doesn't seem to affect them the same way as someone who's depressed and anxious and alone on social media. Those are two very different experiences. And so anything we as parents can do for more in-person connection, whether that's with us or with siblings as a family, um, with a school, with a church, with friendships, whatever we can do to encourage that real in-person connection, I think can really um, increase our kids' chances at having good mental health. Mm -hmm. I think the kids long-term as adults who could communicate will be the ones who get the jobs. I really do. I, that's another reason why I wanted to write this book is I wanted to just level the playing field so that kids, all kids, no matter whether you were neurodivergent, whether you came from a background without a lot of access, they had a chance to say, okay, this is how, you know, in my book, this is how to start a conversation. This is how to be a good conversationalist. This is how to pitch in so that somebody wants you around. You know, these, this is how to have appropriate body language. When you're talking with someone, this is how to listen. All those things are those soft skills that a lot of our kids are missing. And once they understand them, connection becomes so much easier. And like you said, success, you know, eventually becomes so much easier. Yes, I cannot thank you enough. And so your new book, your latest book that's just come out. So this one is um, 52 Modern Manners for Kids. And after I wrote the ones for teens, parents were hungry to start this manners journey earlier. And there were also a lot of manners for kids that didn't apply to teens, you know, like how to knock on the door and ask for someone to play or how to play hide and seek and not hide in your friend's parents' bed, you know, things like that, that were a little more specific to that younger audience. And then in the book, I wanted to make it really interactive. Um, And so there's role plays on the back, you know, like a let's practice. And and there's some role plays that parents can go through. So it's really similar, but with different manners. Like this one says, wait for food to be offered. I don't know if you remember, but in those young years, everybody come to your house and just ask for food constantly. So this is a reminder, you wait for food to be offered. And then it gives some scenarios, you know, your friend always has the best treats in his pantry. His mom is upstairs and won't know if you take one. What should you do? You know, things like that. So it's been really fun. And I'm just encouraged by how many parents are eager to create kids with better manners, connection skills, social skills. It's been really fun to watch. 
Well, y'all go and buy this book. I'm going to put all of the information in the show notes. I'm so excited, Brooke. I'm your biggest fan. I'm such a believer in good manners, etiquette. It matters. It truly matters. Thank you so much. This was an incredible conversation. And thanks for all you do connecting parents and helping them feel less alone. Thank you, Brooke. If you would like to connect with Brooke, you may join her over on Instagram at Brooke Romney Writes or connect with her on her website, brookromney.com. The link to 52 Modern Manners for Kids may be found in the show notes. Thanks again, friend, for being here. And until next time, let's make every day the best it can be. And remember, after the show, be sure to check out those show notes for all the links and details you'll need. Let's keep the conversation going. I love you. Jesus loves you even more. Keep shining, my friend. Keep shining.